There are two passages of scripture that are going to be the backdrop of tonight's preaching presentation. And if you're ready, would you shout at your boy, I'm ready. ready. All right, let's go. Mark chapter 5, verse 21. When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him while he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet, and he pleaded earnestly with him, my little daughter, my baby girl, she's dying. Please come and put your hand on her so that she will be healed and live. Verse 24, so Jesus went with him And a large crowd followed and pressed around him. Now, John chapter 4, verse 46, it says, Once more he visited Cana and Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, He went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Somebody say, this is just alike. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official doesn't even care. He says, sir, come down before my child dies. Verse 50, go. Jesus replies, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. Hold up. Wait a minute. Jerry has a problem with it. (laughs) I don't know if y'all caught this, but I'm reading this text and I'm like, okay, hold on a second. Hold up. How is it in one passage of scripture, somebody earnestly asked Jesus to come and hear their child and Jesus goes, But then in another passage of scripture, a different person, different region, but a congruent request. This man asked the same thing. He says, Jesus, will you come with me? And Jesus doesn't go, but he says, you go. I'm catching this. I'm like, okay, Jairus asked you. He said, hey, my baby girl's dying. I need you to come help me. And Jesus goes. But then this royal official, he says, hey, my baby boy is dying. I need you to help me. And he says, I'm not going to go. You go. Go. Your son will live. And as I'm looking at these two particular verses, one might almost make the erroneous assumption that there appears to be some inconsistencies with God. I'm looking at this text. Sometimes God shows up. Sometimes he doesn't. Sometimes God answers you when you want him to. Sometimes God takes his time. Sometimes you ask God to show up and show out. He does nothing. But then other times he shows out and shows out and just shows out and just shows out and just shows out. Why is it sometimes he does it, but then other times he doesn't? Like I'm like, Jesus, Jairus is like, hey, hey, my my baby girl is sick. So Jesus starts this, this expedition with Jairus. 
And as Jesus is on this tour to Jabber's house, this woman with the issue of blood comes behind Jesus and gets her little drive-through miracle. Jesus stops, he turns around, and he begins to have a conversation with this woman. Now, I like to make the Bible come alive. Can I do that? We, we done reading the foundational text. Can I do that? I like making the Bible come alive. So Jesus turns to this woman, and, and he begins to converse with her, and Jairus hears the words that no parent ever wants to hear. The most heart-wrenching, terrifying words a parent could ever hear, Jairus hears. Jairus, your daughter's dead. Why bother the teacher any further? Now, I love when I read the Bible to highlight people in the story that you forget about. Because usually so many people preach this text and they all just talk about the woman with the issue of blood. You got a miracle. Just press through. Pray. They preach about her. But I'm like, could you imagine how Jairus felt? Don't, don't bother the teacher. Your daughter is dead. I begin to think, and as I was studying this, I wonder what Jairus like, man, if I would have just came to Jesus a few weeks ago, the first time I heard a cough, I told them that cough wasn't normal. It wasn't just one of them, <clears throat> it was one of them, <clears throat> you know, them deep coughs, like you've been smoking. It was one of those type of coughs. The first time I heard it, I told everybody, we need to take her to a physician. This is not normal. But everybody brushed me off. If they would have listened to me, I wonder if those thoughts were plaguing Jairus. Just like, you know, the thoughts we have, if I wouldn't have done this, if I wouldn't have said this to him, y'all not talking to me. I wonder, was his mind played by what he could have done? Or maybe if I would have got to Jesus and I was in a chariot, yeah, then we could have just rolled through the marketplace. Everybody get out the way, bag bag. We could have just rolled through the marketplace. Maybe if I had a chariot and I could have caused haste, maybe we could have got to my daughter's house before she died. Or maybe Jairus thought for a moment, it's this woman's fault. I came to Jesus first. Y'all know how we do. I came to Jesus first. Woman, you're not even supposed to be out here. By the Mosaic law, you are ceremonially unclean. And then you have the nerve to touch Jesus. He's a rabbi. Jewish women don't touch kings and rabbis. You're breaking the rules. You're not even supposed to be out here. Can I ask you a question? What is your posture when people get blessed before you? Oh, uh, here it is. See, somebody said, what's up? I'm talking to you. What is your posture when somebody gets their miracle before you? Let me put my foot on the gas a little more. And it's in your face. <laughs> I'm in the Bible, I told you. I like making the text come alive. What is your posture when somebody gets that promotion before you? Gets that raise before you? You pray for your parent to live, but they pass and theirs lived anyway. Well, what do you do when somebody gets the opportunity before you? They get the spouse before you. You've been waiting four years. She's been waiting four seconds. God, what's up? <laughs> what do you do? When somebody else seems to be getting more blessed than you and you're praying and you're asking, but a miracle happened right in Jairus' face. And I want to help somebody who might be struggling with jealousy for a second. I want to give you two perspectives. The first perspective I want to give you is the way God levels us up is by dropping next level in front of you. Uh-oh. 
I'm an intro and I'm sweating. Y'all ready? The way God levels you up is he drops next level in front of you, not for you to get jealous, but for you to take notes. This is, this is interwoven all throughout the fabric of scripture. David, you're going to be the king, but for right now, you're going to play a harp for King Saul. Yeah, the crown one day is going to be on your head, but right now, you in the palace dropping bars. <laughs> right now, you in the palace just making some beats and just making some music because God always has a way of exposing you before sending you. This is not where you get jealous, David. This is where you take notes. Ruth, I'm going to give you more Bible. Ruth, I know that you want this field, but before you own the field, you are first harvesting in the field because God has a way of showing you what's yours before it's yours. Y'all better come get me. Listen, not for the purpose of you getting jealous, but for the purpose for you to take notes. That other ministry, don't get jealous. Take notes. This is just evidence what it looks like when you're faithful with small things. Yes, yeah, small tweaks take you to giant peaks. Yeah, don't minimize the two fish and five loaves. God can do the miraculous with that. Yo, right now moment, yo, suddenly can happen tonight. You don't get jealous, you take notes. How did they do this and how did they do that? Don't get jealous, start asking questions. And I believe if Jairus could have heard the sermon, he'd have been sitting right there on the sideline taking notes. Okay, so this is how Jesus responds when you get desperate. All right, let me go ahead and take this note. This is how Jesus comes through when you ran out of all your options. You spend everything you had. You have nothing else to do. You're trusting Jesus with everything. Okay, this is how Jesus responds to those who desperately chase after him and seek his face. Oh, this is how Jesus responds to the radical. There seems to be a marriage between the miracle and the radical. Maybe Jairus is saying, I'm going to do a miracle for her. And this is just a snapshot of a miracle I'm about to do for you. So good, y'all. Some of us would have missed all that. Just reading it like, yeah, I just see the woman with issue blood. She, the dude, baby died. It's sad. It's more than that. It's more than that. J Jairus sitting there taking notes. And another perspective I want to give you for anybody who struggles with jealousy. Stop being jealous of somebody's winning season. You don't know what they lost in their losing season. All right. So, so we don't want to talk, right? So I'm, I'm looking here. And I begin to discover, hmm, maybe this is exposing why we think there seems to be inconsistencies with God. Because sometimes we pray prayers and it seems as though God answered them. And then other times we pray prayers and it seems like God didn't even hear us. I'm like, how did the king of glory know when to go and when to stay? How did Jesus know this is, this is something I'm going to respond to, and this is something I'm not even going to give a word to? We see it all throughout the text. Sometimes Jesus is sitting here minding his business, and somebody's clapping back, talking noise to him, bumping their gums, saying he a false prophet, and Beelzebub, and Jesus sets them straight. But then other times, like in Matthew 27, verse 14, they talking noise about Jesus. They bumping their gums. They making all these false accusations, and Jesus don't say nothing. Look, I'm going to give you Bible. Matthew 27. Matthew 27, verse 14, it says these five words, but Jesus gave no reply. I did a whole sermon about it in the Pressure Series. Don't respond to that. They talking all this stuff, but Jesus 
made no reply. But then in Matthew chapter 12, verse 24, it says, Now when the Pharisees heard it, they said, This fellow does not cast out demons except by Beelzebub, the ruler of demons. So they call him Jesus the devil. All right. But Jesus knew their thoughts. And he said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself will not stand. If Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? It's almost like in Matthew 27, Jesus didn't really have nothing to say to him. But then over here in Matthew 12, Jesus was like, okay, y'all been disrespectful. Y'all been talking about me. The other day I didn't have time. Oh, but today I got time, cuz. Today I got time. How single cast out Satan? <laughs> how, how, how does one minute... He does nothing. The next minute, he does something. One passage, he'll go with you. The next passage, he tells you to go. One passage, he's correcting them. The next passage, he ain't saying nothing to them. And as I'm studying for this sermonic journey on tonight, God revealed to me something that just blew my mind. He showed me Jesus had discernment. Listen, listen, Jesus knew how to discern what's his problem <laughs> and what's not. Jesus knew how to discern, oh, I'm going to respond to you. But he also had enough Savior swag where he knew, oh, I'm not going to respond to that. How did you get to a place where you could discern what's your problem from their problem? And the question that we are going to orbit around tonight is can you discern your problem? Oof, I didn't need my towel, I'll throw it. Can you discern your problem and do you know what problem is yours? Because yes, you can do all things through Christ Jesus who strengthens you, but you have not been summoned to do everything. All right. Listen, every problem is not your problem to solve. And this is why some of us, somebody in the sacred sanctuary and somebody watching online, this is why you're so tired because you can't discern your fights. Y'all ready for this? You can't discern what is it that I have been assigned to. Because just because we family and you have a problem, that doesn't mean that's my assignment. It's going to get quiet in a minute, y'all, but it's cool. Yeah, just because we talking and she has a problem, that does not mean that's my assignment. Amen. Let me be fair. Just because we talking and he has a problem, that does not mean that is my assignment. Because I've understood something about the enemy. I'm like, oh, he's tricky. He's tricky. If I can get you, I'm going to throw these seeds in your life because we have wheat and we have weeds but I'm going to throw these seeds in your life not always for the purpose of distracting you not always for the purpose of deterring you not always for the purpose of you getting a sexual high and now your judgment is clouded yeah <laughs> that hit like on accident yeah, <laughs> not always for the purpose of discouraging you because I know I cannot get God to change the way that he views them. But maybe 
if I can get them to change the way that they view him. Y'all missed it. Y'all missed it. I know. I can't get God to change the way that he views them. Oh, but if some way and somehow I can get them to change the way that they view him, they'll end up blaming the person who is sending wheat like he's the one that is sending weeds. This is so good, y'all. I know it is, girl. It's so good. So now I'm like, okay, okay. So, so that seems to be his methodology. I, I'm going to come and I'm going to send weeds not just to distract you, not just to detour you, not to just discourage you. Sometimes I send weeds to relapse you. Because hell loves, y'all ready? Hell loves when we look back, talk back, go back, text back, smile back, respond back, think back, overthink, think over, rewind, return to stuff God brought us out of. I can't say it again, it was too much. I don't know what I just said. Y'all gonna have to catch it on YouTube, replay it. Y'all watching live, even if you pause it, I can't say it again. He knows, he likes to take us back. He likes to get us to return. And this is why healing is so imperative. Please hear me. Whenever God is healing you, don't pick the scab. Okay, that may look like deactivate, unfollow, block. Y'all not talking to me. Why are you monitoring the very thing that almost crushed you? When God, when God is healing you, don't pick the wound. See, some of us think we're healed because our cut is now a scab. <laughs> Negative. You're healed when you see the person who cut you and you don't want to cut them back. Golf claps. <laughs> You're here when you, when you see that person, and you don't even want to cut them back. I have to heal, because listen, when I don't heal, I'll end up hurting the people I want to love back. But I'm projecting my fears of them wounding me on them. So the people God sent to my life to be healers, I won't let them heal me, because I view them as possible offenders. I have to heal. I have to heal. I have to heal. When you don't heal, you will allow your insecurities, you'll twist them as their flaws. Y'all ain't loyal. No, whoever you had first wasn't loyal. So now I'm twisting my insecurities as your flaw. I need to heal. I need to heal. If I don't heal, I'll allow somebody else to give me the script of their trauma, and for some strange insecure reason, I'll play the role. I need, to, I need to heal. I need to heal. So if I, if I can't send something in your life to discourage you, to distract you, to derail you, to relapse you, I'm going to send a weed that most of us probably have overlooked. I picked it and you probably picked it. It's the weed of tiredness. Oh, this is about to hit, y'all. Somebody watching this message and in the house you're tired and exhausted. And I'm not talking about because you can't get eight hours of sleep. You're sleeping eight hours and still wake up tired. I'm not talking about 
some sleep aid. You got a comfortable bed. You got a lazy boy. You got pillows. It's not due to the discomfort of your bed. It's because you're tired, because you're fighting fights that aren't yours. And the fastest way hell can get us to burn out and to get us to be exhausted is when you don't know what fight is yours. See, this biblical teaching that I'm giving you on tonight is dangerous because what it's going to cause is for people, people's problems that you've been trying to solve. When you have discernment that that's not my problem, you'll stop trying to solve their problem and they'll have a problem with you for stop trying to solve their problem. Because listen, when you understand your assignment, I don't have to get wet from a storm that's not mine. They'll end up getting wet from storms they created that they didn't even know they created because you were their umbrella. Lord have mercy. I, I know it's the Lord because I was like, God, this is so good. This is so good. I'm trying to get people to see there is a discernment issue with us knowing what is our fight. What's your battle? How do, I, how do I discern and how do I identify what I'm ordained for? Okay? Because wrong fights wear you out. Some of us, you're so tired because you've been fighting battles that's not yours all day. Listen, God has given you the supernatural ability to fight your battles. Can I mess y'all up? Nobody said nothing, so I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> Listen, God is not obligated to help you with the battle that's not yours. Ooh-wee. See? See? God has given you oil for your assignment. God has given you oil for what you need to accomplish, not them. You have oil for what you're supposed to go to war with. And I wonder how many of us are questioning God about all the weeds, and it's really due to all the weeds you're picking and fighting their battles. I need discernment. We're recognizing what, what, what's my, my battle. I know we may not like this, and that's okay, because Jerry does not preach for popularity. He preaches out of obedience. I, I, I need us to understand when we remove this, when we understand what I have been called to and what I'm supposed to fight, some people may not like you and you need to have enough boldness and confidence to say, that's okay. This isn't personal. It's purposeful. Yeah. See, some people ain't clapping. This is hidden. I know. I know. It's purposeful. I don't know how many times I have to say it, and I'm going to say it as many times because repetition is the mother of learning. Purpose is a fixer. Purpose fixes problems, okay? Purpose is a fixer. Purpose fixes problems. Before you and I ever got here, as fly as you are, sis, as cute as you are, before you ever got here, bro, as swagged out as you are and as fly and as dope as you are, before you ever got here, the God of time and in time and over time was outside of time and he looked at where you would work. He looked at where would be your community. He looked at where you would go to school. He looked at where your job would be. He looked at your sphere of influence and he saw a problem. 
He saw a problem, and so then the God outside of time turned to you and put a problem-solving anointing in your belly. He put a problem-solving calling in your womb, a problem-solving calling in your soul, and then, boop, you had a birthday. <laughs> you were birthed into the earth realm, listen, to fix whatever problem God saw where you would be. Okay? Stay with me. Stay with me. Listen. There was a problem, and he saw it. You calling it a birthday. Hell calls it a problem day. I feel like hell got his demonic staff and said, okay, a potential problem was just born. That's going to expose my agenda. We got a problem. Yeah, a potential. Notice potential. A potential problem was just born that is going to expose our strategies and our schemes. We, we, we have a problem. Yeah, a, a potential problem was just born that is going to expose our hand, that is going to expose a grip that I've had on a bloodline for centuries. A potential problem was just born. So let me give them problems before they become ours. And the way he does this is he allows problems to hit in childhood. <sighs> He allows the problems to hit in childhood so that you never mature to the degree to where you become a threat and fulfill that problem. Are y'all getting this? I'm trying to teach right now. Listen, I'm going to give you Bible. This is why before Moses was born, there was already a decree and already warfare trying to kill Moses while he was a baby. When Jesus was born, there was already a decree to commit genocide and try to get him before he ever matures. I'm trying to expose the warfare strategy of hell. The enemy wants to get you before you mature. Why are you a baby? Why you're impressionable? Why you're a child? Why you're young? Why you're in high school? I want to get their personality now because pain affects their personality. And they're going to become a person that does not look like the person they need to be for their purpose. So if I could have them have so much pain in their heart, they won't even have the personality for their calling. Because they've been so hurt. They've been so wounded. Because you want balloons on your birthday. You want a cake on your birthday. Hell wants to destroy on your birthday. You're calling it a birthday. Hell calls it a problem day. A potential problem was just born because purpose fixes problems. Say it with me. Purpose fixes problems. Again, purpose fixes problem like y'all mean it. Purpose fixes problems, okay? The purpose of this light right now is to remove a darkness problem. Y'all didn't even think about it until I pointed it out. Listen, if purpose fixes problems, when you and I die, some problems should no longer exist. Can I go deeper? Can I go deeper? Let's scuba dive a little bit. Maybe this is the reason why the world is filled with so many problems because there's so many people who aren't in purpose. Oh, this is so good. So now you're affected by problems all around you because nobody's in purpose. Because purpose, talks to me, fixes problems. The purpose of that light is to remove a darkness problem.
The, the purpose of these cameras in the back and your phone is to remove a distance problem. Somebody right now in Argentina, in Tokyo, they're watching. The cameras fix that distance problem. But now look, if I try to make that camera do what the light does, I'm going to end up damaging the camera. That camera don't have a flash on it. <laughs> that camera is not designed to remove darkness. It is designed to capture images. So look, 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 look. So since I'm mature, if you put it in my hands, I know how to put it in a position to maximize its full capacity. But if I give that same camera to a two-year-old, they'll abuse it. Because when you're immature, you don't know the purpose of a thing. Listen, when you're immature, you don't know the purpose of a thing. You could be a whole package. But if you end up at the wrong address with an immature person, the receiver is going to mishandle you. In the same way, a lot of us, our hearts have been mishandled by places and people because the goal of the enemy was to keep you immature. That's why I just did a teaching on that's not what friends do because I recognize now the enemy wants to surround you by immature people with immature people. It just seems they take interest in you. All of y'all like to get high. All of y'all like to turn up. All of y'all unfaithful on your wives. All of y'all, oops, all of y'all like to, <laughs> all of y'all like to do this. So I'm going to surround you with the immature so that you can never fix your problem. Can y'all believe I'm an introduction? <laughs> fix. You can never fix your problem. So now I get it. Hell knows and heaven knows. A lot of us are exhausted. Chronic exhaustion. Listen. Heaven knows and hell knows that chronic exhaustion deactivates discernment. It's hard to discern when you're tired. Y'all ever say something stupid while you're sleepy? <laughs> now, girl, you was talking crazy. <laughs> what I say? You only, I don't want to repeat it. <laughs> Give your child permission to do things. Mama, can I go get a popsicle? What? Can I go get a popsicle? It's 2 in the morning. Yeah, go ahead. Go, go. I'm trying to sleep. You're not you, and you don't use logic when you're tired. If I can't take you out, I'm going to wear you out. And I'm trying to get people to be so tired that they pick the weeds and they end up trafficking in exhaustion lanes and they're questioning God I thought you planted good seeds I thought you would send good things but when you're tired think of Esau if you don't know it one day I'll teach a story Esau exchanged his whole birthright that's your inheritance that's your land and that's your bread bread means money <laughs> that, that, that's all of that you exchanged it for some stew why he said I'm famished to the point of death and a lot of us are exchanging our peace because you're tired can I keep going I'm going to give you Bible look at this Proverbs chapter 26 verse 17 it says he who passes by somebody say pass by that means this ain't your business. You ain't even staying here, okay? So he who passes by and meddles in a quarrel 
that is not his own. So let's break down metals because I don't want you to just think, oh, is he talking about metal? No, metals. Anybody who meddles in a quarrel. To meddle means to engage and make oneself busy. <laughs> I'm busy. No, you're not. No, you're not. Oh, maybe you are busy doing something else. To meddle means to engage or make oneself busy in something that is of not your concern. So you're busy doing things that don't concern you. Let me go back to the Bible. He who passes by and meddles in a quarrel that is not his own is like one who takes a dog by their ears. Okay? If you don't understand that, find a stray dog and grab it by its ears. Tell me what it does to you. <laughs> and a lot of us, a lot of us are getting bit by pain. Bit by anxiety because you're grabbing stuff that's not your business. And because I don't know what I'm supposed to fix, I end up trying to fix things that hurt me. Okay? Because I cannot make anybody else value what they already don't appreciate. And the reason you're so hurt is because you keep expecting you from people. And I'm tired and I'm exhausted and I'm trying to get you to understand on tonight. It's not a sleep problem. It's a discernment problem. I don't know what I'm assigned to fight. I, I don't know what I'm assigned to engage in. Every problem is not your problem. Hear me. And if you don't understand this, you'll end up trying to give CPR to something that you don't have the lungs for. And by the time you're standing before your Goliath, you're out of breath because you spent all your strength, all your energy, all your time, all your effort on somebody else. And God didn't even give you the lungs or give you the grace to fight that because you have grace for your battles, not grace for their battles. And I've been trying to CPR mama and trying to CPR my boyfriend and trying to CPR my girlfriend and trying to CPR everybody else. And now I'm short of breath because I don't know what's my battle. So God, would you guide us? Right now we need guidance. We need guidance on, to be, on the ability to be able to understand where my oil flows. Give me guidance to know where my oil is. This message on tonight, God, is not a message to try to give somebody some form of confirmation to isolate themselves or to hoard or to keep things to themselves. That's not the point of this message, God. We already understand that we have to carry each other's burdens, but then we have to carry our own load. Help us to have wisdom to understand the burden from the load. So we'll stop picking the weeds and end up exhausted. And we don't have the strength, the prayer life, the devotion, the clarity to fight the battles that are ours. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer would just shout amen. amen. Is this good? Is this good? I would like to speak from this thought. From this subject, <laughs> I learned, y'all got to excuse me, during COVID, I learned you got about five seconds to give somebody word, bruh. People are scrolling. Nobody was in here for months, 15 months. I didn't come out. Okay, last week, I came out hidden because I know that people keep scrolling. So that's why I come out like that. 
I want to speak from this thought, from this subject for a few moments. That's not my problem. Can I get somebody to say, that's not my problem? <laughs> Confession time. Can I get everybody to say this online in all caps and in the building? God, God. Give, me give me wisdom to not waste my strength, waste my strength. on what's not my problem. Not my One more time. God, God. give me wisdom to not waste my strength on what's not my problem. As I was studying this, I recognized something I never saw before. Discernment preserves strength. I never saw it that way before. But when I could discern what requires my time and wasn't what doesn't require my time, I could preserve my strength for my fight. Now, I see how Jesus would go and Jesus wouldn't go. And listen, I need you to understand this. There's a difference between carrying a burden and also somebody carrying their own load. Remember we talked about that, right? Burden, lightning strikes somebody's house tonight. Y'all heard I was thunder and it was cray cray, right? Lightning strikes somebody's house tonight. Their house catch on fire. They call you, ask can they come spend the night with you, call their insurance, figure out what they're going to do. You do that. I hope you do that. <laughs> Somebody, I got no space. It's COVID. Have you had a COVID test? Are you vaccinated? I don't know. <laughs> you do that. that. That's just the Christ-like thing to do. Matthew 25, when was I hungry and you gave me something to eat? When, I, when did I not have a place to stay and you gave me? That's biblical. Okay? But then it says each man is supposed to carry their own load. I need money for my rent and my mortgage. But you just bought some new J's. You have PlayStation 5, you're wearing red bottoms, you have a Gucci bag, you use all your child support to turn up at the club and get your nails done. Uh-oh. Y'all don't want to talk. <laughs> use all the child support on everything else but the child, but then you're asking for mortgage? That's not my problem. See how one person clap. <laughs> So ladies and gentlemen, brothers and sisters, for the past several weeks, I've been striving and I pray the Holy Spirit has been using this series to bless you. And, and, and I've been praying that God will help us to understand that in your life, you have two planters. You have two planters. This is derived from Matthew chapter 13. When we talk about the parable of the wheat and the weeds, God is planting wheat. The enemy is planting weeds. And the reason I keep on echoing that biblical passage throughout every sermon is because I want us to get it that every choice is pregnant. Hear me. I want us to understand every choice is pregnant. Pregnant with the potential to give birth to a season. Rather a season of recovery or a season of advancement. And I want us to have discernment so that we can stop saying in recovery seasons and then doubting God because all we have is weeds. I need discernment and your ability, your ability to decide which one is wheat and which one is weeds is predicated on your discernment. And a weed that is not discussed enough is the weed of tiredness. The weed of tiredness because I'm engaged in stuff, in stuff that does not matter. I'm engaged in what people think about me. Y'all not talking to me. I'm engaged with how many likes did that post get. 
you posted something and you took it down before it could even do anything. Ooh, I feel like that hit somebody <laughs> all up in here. Engage in people's thoughts. Engage them about to mess you up and people's approval. Listen, listen. Nobody is obligated to understand or support your assignment. Okay? All you are required to do is to be obedient. That's it. The reason you stop posting, stop vlogging, stop blogging, stop recording, nobody like it. Nobody. If God told you to do it, nobody, I'm about, okay, here we go. Nobody is obligated to support or endorse what God told you to do. The people who are supposed to do it will do it. But support for many of us is keeping us barren because we don't feel as though I'm getting the support I desire. We're not following God's instruction. Nobody is obligated to understand your assignment. And watch this. You're not obligated to get them to understand it. I just don't agree. That's your problem. I just don't like it. That's your problem. I don't understand. That's your problem. Be able to understand what you've been assigned to. Ooh, feel like I'm talking to somebody. I don't have to engage in certain things and we're getting hurt because sometimes we're engaged in somebody else's storm that God is using to get their attention. Like I'm trying to get them. And you're like, but I love them. God's like, I love them too. But I'm using this storm to try to get their attention. you like, man, why are they sleeping? Why are they just chilling? How could they just act like this? It's because you're their umbrella. Let me give you Bible. Okay, let me give you Bible. Remember I said I like to highlight people we forget about? Jonah chapter 1, all right? Jonah, uh, verse 3, it says, but Jonah ran away from the Lord. Somebody say problem. problem. All right, he's heading to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. One more time, somebody say problem. problem. Then the Lord, does that say the devil or the Lord? Does that say the demons are the Lord? Okay, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea. Best believe when God doesn't have your attention, he knows how to disturb what does. Okay, so look, then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break it up. All the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. They threw their cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But look at this, the person whose problem caused this. But Jonah had gone below deck where he laid down and fell asleep. I'm like, uh, um, could you be going through a storm because you're trying to help somebody who's running from God? Listen, anytime you are housing somebody whose God is calling, you're harboring a fugitive. I'm looking at this text, right? If I had time, I'd break it down. I really would. But I'm looking at this text. If you study Jonah, before he got on board, he told them he was running from God. Study it. He told them he was running from God. Just like somebody told you they problem. Y'all missed it. He told them he was running from God and got 
on the ship. Now, all sermons I hear are usually focused on Jonah. We're not focusing on him. We're focusing on the sailors. Somebody say toot toot. We're focusing on the sailors. Now, look, the Bible says that they begin to throw their cargo Overboard. Look at the Bible. I'm reading it right here. Verse 5, all the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. Can I get somebody to say they need this? So I'm thinking, all right, you, you, you going to throw overboard your peace to keep Jonah? You're going to throw over your standards to keep Jonah behind. All right, so what you're going to do is you're going to throw overboard your reputation for Jonah? They threw their cargo. That's the stuff they need. Food, clothes, to keep Jonah. And so I, I, I'm tripping. I called my wife. I said, Tanisha. <laughs> she said, I said, you know what I thought about? We always park on the fact that they picked up Jonah and they threw him overboard, right? But I wonder, have we ever thought about what was the condition of the boat after Jonah was gone? Because the Bible says uh, the ship threatened to breaking up. Does your life look busted because of who you had on board? Thank you for the one golf clap. Now look, look, look. And then I begin to think to myself. I said, okay, the ship was threatened to breaking up. And they threw their cargo overboard. They probably had to go back to the marina to restock because we need the food. We need the cargo. I, my two by fours are coming all up. I probably have to go back to the marina to do some repairs. And when you have wrong people on right positions in your life, they'll keep you stuck in a season. They were going there. Jonah said, I'm running from the Lord. So now, see, listen, this is why I need to ask questions in the marina. Why are you waiting to have the interview after he's entered you? Oops. Why, why are you waiting to have questions? So, so where do you see us? So what's the purpose? So, so what are we? It's too late to ask questions now. Why are you asking questions after you gave him the house key? After the question. Okay. All right. That's too much. I'm sorry. My generation requires real. We, we ask all the questions after we have thrown over our peace. After we've, we've thrown over our identity. Now we're asking questions. I'm like, man, what was the condition of that boat? Once Jonah was gone. Jonah got swallowed up by a whale and then vomited up and then went about his business. But I'm left with the aftermath of trying to embrace somebody else's problem that was not even mine. And I'm trying to get you to see. Look, look. I'm trying to get you to see. If I'm so caught up with this person's problem, and I'm so caught up with this person's problem, and I'm so caught up with their problem, I'm giving parts of me to every person's situation. When I reach a season of my life where I'm supposed to have something to give, when I reach a season of my life when I'm supposed to be able to pour into somebody else, when I reach a season of my life, y'all not talking to me, when I reach a season of my life 
When I need my sleep, I need my joy, I need my understanding, I need clarity. I don't have it. You know why I don't have it? Because I was wasting it on problems that weren't mine. Somebody say purpose is a fixer. So I'm going to give you a few points and I'm done. I feel like this is enough that you can handle, all right? First, you got to understand that purpose is your divine DNA, okay? It is the reason for your birth. Purpose is your life's target. It is your bullseye, okay? This is what I'm aiming at each and every day of my life. Purpose is my bullseye. So watch this. If I don't know it, everybody getting hit. Okay? If purpose is my life's target and I don't know my target, I'm going to live life aimlessly. <laughs> Did y'all catch that? I'm not aiming at anything, so I'm living life aimlessly. And everybody who comes my way is a bystander that's going to get hit by me not knowing what I'm aiming at. Purpose is your life's target. So when I understand where I'm aiming at, Purpose, look at this, purpose, number one, will help me to have unspeakable fulfillment. I wasn't the best at basketball. I was all right. Wasn't the best at boxing. Don't try me, though. I was all right. (laughs) But it was something about when I had a mic in my hand. I was a fifth grade president. Teacher nominated me to speak in front of the whole class in elementary school. There was always something about my persuasive ability. It was tied to a gift God gave me for the purpose of preaching the gospel. Okay? So now I don't stress trying to be like Steph Curry. He cold. I don't want to be like him because I know I can speak like Jerry. See what I'm saying? So now fulfillment in myself through my God, is heightened because I know what he has created for me to do. So I'm not jealous of you, nor do I want to be like anybody else because I know my target is fulfilled when I speak. And it's not just limited to preaching. It could be podcasts. It could be music. Whatever God has given you that gift, it is, there is no cap that you could put on the area of your giftedness. Does this make sense? So, so me understanding that, me understanding that helps me not abuse my gift. And I need people in my life who can identify abuse and not, and not label it as normal. Because the beauty of wisdom is it gives you a scholarship at somebody else's expense. So now I can help you and tell you because I know my gift, once you find yours, you'll be secure. The reason you're so insecure is because you're comparing it or you don't know it. All right? But I'm going to help you. Purpose is your divine DNA. It brings unspeakable fulfillment. Number two, purpose helps you to discern. You know why Jesus didn't clap back? When all those Pharisees were saying, he's a liar and he calls himself the king of the Jews. But Jesus gave no reply. He knew his purpose. I got to die, bro. I'm standing before y'all. Ain't nothing I can say that's going to stop y'all from getting me to the cross. I have to die to save humanity. And since I know that's my purpose, I don't have nothing to say to y'all. Just go ahead and crucify me because I know my purpose. And when you know your purpose, you don't have to respond to what you're not. 
I have a German shepherd at my house right now. Listen, I have a German shepherd at my house right now. If you come in the house and call him Ashley, he's not even looking at you. But if you call him Judah, then, he'll get, then you'll get his attention. How is it a soulless beast has enough sense to know I don't respond to what I'm not, but we're responding to stuff that we're not? I have to know purpose. The reason he didn't respond to them is because he knew his purpose. Purpose helps you to discern. The only reason, the only reason I was able to end a relationship and pursue my wife is because I knew I was going to be a pastor. Once I recognized that in college, I changed my major. Went from pre-med to communications because I'm not about to stand up here like, oh, uh, you know what I'm saying, you know, we got to love God, you feel me? And uh, I need to sound educated. Can you articulate? Can you pronounce a verb? <laughs> Once I recognized my calling, I went to the dean's office and I switched my major because purpose helped me to discern. The girl I was with, she was no type of pastor's wife at all. It wasn't a bad thing. It was a purpose thing. So then I began to look for what would complement purpose. Are y'all getting this? Purpose helps you discern. Number three, purpose is connected to your provision. Your gift will make room for you. Wherever your giftedness is, giftedness is, your strength is tied to some area of provision which is tied to your purpose. Purpose is connected to passion. Okay? Whatever you find yourself passionate about, Jesus was so passionate that he went in the synagogue and started whooping people out of there. Why? Because he said, you've made my father's house a den of thieves. My father's house is meant to be a house of prayer. What is prayer? It is connection with God. It's when I'm conversing with God. What is Jesus' purpose? To connect us with God. Are y'all seeing this? So I'm passionate over my purpose. Passion reveals purpose. So my final points, number one, I have to know what I have oil for. I have to know what I have oil for. What is that anointing? When I know where my oil is, I protect it. When a woman knows that she's pregnant, everything in her life begins to change. Not out of legalism, but she's carrying something. I'm not eating deli meat. I'm not eating swordfish. She got mercury in it. I'm not hanging around people who smoke. I pray I'm not, I, I'm, I'm not getting drunk anymore. Why? Because I understand I'm carrying something. When you understand the anointing you carry, you protect it. I have to understand my oil. Number two, I have to be occupied with purpose. Occupied. I think on purpose. I sleep on purpose. Listen, for real. There's a certain time I go to bed on purpose because I'm in purpose. I can identify a distraction. Hey, Jerry, we all going out to, we all going out to TGI Fridays on Wednesday night. You want to come? No, I got to study. Why? I know my purpose. So I could turn down offers because I'm in purpose. I could think on purpose. I choose on purpose. You'll date on purpose. You'll marry on purpose. You'll listen to music on purpose. Some stuff you won't listen to on purpose. You'll watch shows on purpose. Some things you won't watch on purpose because everything on your life is orbiting around purpose, 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 because purpose talks to me fixes talk to me problem again purpose fixes problems number three purpose-minded 
purpose-minded. God, give me discernment. Give me discernment. I feel as though the Holy Spirit was talking to us on the night and letting us know, when you get in my presence and you discover the problem that you're supposed to fix, you could discern problems that don't require your business. How do I heighten my discernment? Know what you're supposed to do. I don't know that yet. Spend time in my presence. It might require a fast. Turn down the volume of everything because your life is too loud. Man, if your phone got as much, if I got as much tension as your phone does, you would be holy. If you would update your prayer life like you update your status. If you would be swift to charge your phone, charge your soul like you charge your phone. Some of us have car chargers and then an extra one in your purse and your bag. I won't let my phone die, but I'll let my soul. Purpose-minded. And last point, I have to have a purpose circle. I have to have people around me who are in purpose as well. Because when I'm surrounded by people who are in purpose, they're going to keep on pushing me in purpose. I need, listen, this is not to get you to be selfish and to hoard and to forget everybody. It's for you to understand there's an assignment that God has put in my soul and I'm supposed to fix something. And whatever it is that God has created for you to fix, God help me to discover that so I can fix it. So we pray as this message is over. God, don't let this word evaporate from our hearts. Help us, God, if, if we're lost in the chaos of life and making decisions without seeking you, help us on tonight for, for a few moments. Go home, turn everything off, and say, God, you saw something here in me I'm supposed to fix. Would you heighten my discernment to my purpose, heighten it to my calling, because I want to live a purposeful life not a life that's so caught up with my preferences. In Jesus' name, we love you and we honor you. Amen.